Hi, my name is Anna Marcoline. I'm a psychotherapist and life coach who's been practicing for 25 years. This podcast is my way of continuing to pay it forward. I am here with you as a therapist and life coach, but I'm also coming to you as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and a friend. I'm here with you and I want you to know that you're not alone. Welcome. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Badass Confidence Coach Podcast. My name is Anna Marcoline. I am a licensed psychotherapist and life coach, and I have been practicing for 21 years in a private practice in the suburbs of Chicago. I have been practicing counseling and psychotherapy since 1993. I'm bringing this up to you today because what I want to share with you in this mini episode is a conversation that I have quite frequently with people around mental health of family members and how to get our mental health needs served. So what I'm talking about is when does somebody need to see a therapist? When does somebody need to do more than just see a therapist, but maybe go more than once a week, or maybe they need to go into some sort of program. Many people today know that there are programs out there for people with maybe who struggle with anxiety struggle with a mood disorder like a major depressive disorder or maybe a bipolar, but they don't really know all the different layers and levels of care. They just hear about them and it's very confusing. I find that this to be quite common. So what I want to do in this episode is is make it brief, but I want to share with you how I think as a therapist when people come to me and are looking and what I'm looking at actually as a therapist and what I'm thinking. And then when people come to me and are thinking about what do I do for my kid? My daughter is 15 and this is what's going on. What do you, where do you think we should start? We think she needs to see somebody, but we're not sure. What do you think? Or when I have parents calling me, and this is quite common today in 2022, parents calling me very concerned about the mental health issues. They have concerns with their college kid. And now these are, these are their air quote children or the adult children, the young adults in their lives who are over 18. So I'll say that. And parents are freaked out because their kid is at college or they're bringing them home because they're struggling with something with mental health and they don't know what to do. So this is the episode for you. If this is something that you have dealt with. Okay. So So I'm going to start with an example of, let's say, a 15-year-old who comes to me who has a suspected eating disorder. The parents have suspected it, and maybe some friends, a friend or two, has said something to the mom about behavior changes in their best friend. And so they call me, and they come in. What I'm doing in the beginning is I'm doing an assessment that's a minimum for me, of two sessions, it gives me a lot of information. I'm asking a lot of questions. And from there, I can pretty much get a general sense as to what is going on. If the 15-year-old, the client, has never been in therapy, what I do is I allow them to have a trial of outpatient psychotherapy once a week. Sometimes they'll come twice a week. If I find that they are not getting better air quotes, getting better, symptoms are improving, maybe they're, they're able to eat, they're able to have, for example, family dinners, they sit and the parents are observing that they're eating their food, that they're having breakfast, and they're not just like running out the door, the parent, they're not uh, making excuses why they don't want to eat, or they're taking a lunch, and they, you know, this is a trust issue as well, and they find that they're 
they're taking their lunch and they and the um, daughter says yes I'm eating and the parents feel okay about what's happening then I will allow that client to continue at the outpatient level oftentimes what we find is that the outpatient trial for now I'm talking about a suspected eating disorder isn't working and then we have to talk about a higher level of care so as a therapist I'm always thinking in the beginning about is there another level of care that the client needs? Are we needing to get this person into a partial hospitalization program? I'm thinking the same with anxiety. I'm thinking the same with mood disorders. I'm thinking this with depression. I'm really watching for all the signs and symptoms of a clinical depression. I'm looking at it with bipolar as well. I'm, I'm always scanning. I'm always looking for what else is going on. I'm looking to see how the client is coping coming to see me once a week. And I'm always wondering and curious about, are they able to do it? And do they need more help? Sometimes clients will come right out and they will let me know, I need more. I can't do this. This is really difficult. And maybe the depression is is deepening. Maybe the client themselves sees that, you know, the eating disorder behaviors are not getting any better. They're just staying the same. And what that tells me is that once a week, a 50 minute session is not enough and that they need more. So from then on, if it's a minor, I'm talking with the client and the parents about a higher level of care. If it's with someone who's over 18, I'm talking with that client about that next level. And the next level is usually a partial hospitalization program. They are very popular. They've really, really sprung up around the country and in a a good way over the past many years. So a PHP, that's the word you're going to hear, PHP program is a partial hospitalization program. It's a program where the client comes and goes. They usually start at nine o'clock in the morning and they go to about three, maybe till five or six in the evening. They usually have their lunch there, or sometimes they take a break and they go go out for lunch. So they usually come in the morning after they've had breakfast, and it's a day of groups, and it's all different kinds of groups. It's all different types of therapy groups. There's different skills that they're learning. They may be learning cognitive behavioral therapy. They may be learning dialectical behavioral therapy. They may be learning rational emotive therapy. There's all kinds of therapies that they may be taught in the program that they're at. There's also a recreation therapist who may come in. So they may have a 50 minute session of just doing fun stuff. It's a day of programming. It's a day of programmed psychotherapeutics. Maybe there's a psychiatrist they're meeting because most people are seeing a psychiatrist when they're in their partial hospitalization program and they're being evaluated for if they want to be on meds or they need to be on meds or not. So that's a part of what goes on in a PHP. Now I'm saying this very quickly because I could do a whole session. Um, That's funny. I just said session with all of you. I could do a whole podcast episode on partial hospitalization programs and do a much more of a deep dive into what they entail. But for the purposes of today's mini episode, I'll just share that with you. And then after they air quote, graduate from a PHP, many of those clients will go into an IOP, which is an intensive outpatient. So they continue at that same place, but it's shortened. So maybe when for, it's a 15 day program, that's the average. In my experience, most 
patients or clients stay beyond 15 days. That's three weeks. It's Monday through Friday. You don't go on the weekends. Most people will stay four or five weeks, sometimes six weeks. They just, to me, in my experience, now this is my experience, they stay longer. After that, and all the while, I have to say, the therapists are really good, or the case managers, depending on the program that they're at, are really good with helping the client make a plan for when they're being discharged. They're helping the client make a plan for going back to school or going to school, getting a job, getting a therapist. Many times before you're discharged, you have had to have uh, reached out and found yourself a therapist. You, uh, When I worked in one pro, uh, partial hospitalization program, the patients were not going to be discharged until we knew they had the name and they had an appointment of a therapist that they were going to be meeting with. And so that was, I love that. I thought that was a really a great part of their discharge plan. Okay. So after the PHP comes an IOP, it's at the same place and it's usually from nine to 12 in the morning. Maybe it's from Monday through Friday and maybe some people are maybe they're getting jobs, maybe they're going back to school, or maybe so maybe they can only come like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But it's, it's kind of you're starting to kind of peter out, you're starting to tail out of the PHP, you're in the IOP, and knowing that at some point, you're going to be fully discharged. And at this point, you have an appointment, and you're already starting to meet with your outpatient therapist, or you're going back to the therapist that you saw before you went, they went into the program. So you know, there are times when I have a client who's with me. It's obvious that once a week with me is not going to work or even twice a week for that matter. They just need more intensive care. They will go to a PHP program. I may not see them for three or four weeks and then they come back to me when they're in the IOP and we resume our work together. Now, sometimes I do have clients who they continue to see me all during their PHP experience. They'll just see me in the evenings. Um, so they're in the PHP all day and then they'll come and they'll see me maybe, um, you know, once a week at night because they don't want to give up that connection that the two of us have. So that's also something as well. So I hope that I'm explaining this to you all properly and that you understand it. So we're talking about Outpatient psychotherapy once a week, and this is with a minor, this is with a 15-year-old or 16-year-old, anybody under the age of 18. Parents are involved. I include parents in all of these conversations, not betraying my client's trust. I'm not sharing, you know, privileged information that the client has shared with me, but for planning purposes and for purposes of getting them to a higher level of care, the parents are involved in that. And so from there, they go to a PHP program and then from the PHP, they then graduate into an intensive outpatient program in that same uh, um, setting, in that same program that they started with. Okay, so every now and then, that doesn't work. Every now and then, we find that the PHP is still not enough for that person. They Maybe they have some substance use issues, maybe there's a eating disorder that just doesn't seem to be getting better. They're really struggling on the weekends. They do well maybe during the week, but on Saturday, Friday night to, to Monday morning, they just are really struggling with their mental health. Maybe there's behaviors, like I just mentioned, with substance use that they just can't stay away from. Maybe for some it's cannabis. Maybe for that time they need to be off the cannabis. They can't. They're just struggling. And what we find is that, okay, you do well Monday through Friday, but the weekends are awful. Or maybe they really struggle at night when they leave the program. Nighttime is awful. 
what is an option for those people is to go to a residential program. Sometimes I will say to somebody, you know, you just need to go away for 30 days. You just need to get out of here. You just need to go and really work on you and shut everything else down around you. Shut down the noise. Get off the ride that you're on. You know, maybe get out of your parents' home or get out of the the environment that you're in, wherever you are. Maybe it's your apartment. Maybe, you know, you're, okay, so I'm getting into 18-year-olds, but maybe I'm young adults. Maybe you need to get out of the apartment. Maybe you need to get out of the house with all your roommates. You just need to go away somewhere and really spend time working on you, doing the work of you. So those are people who would really benefit from going away for a program, maybe a 30-day, maybe a 60-day. I know people who've gone for three months. They need that, that time, and they got some really great work done in a residential treatment program. So that's the highest level, and oftentimes what happens is they spend time, 30, 60, 90 days at that highest level of care, fully engulfed and fully uh, in, in situ, like fully um in the milieu is what we say, in the milieu of that environment. They're doing all this work with all different therapists, continuing with therapy groups, really doing some deep, deep soul work. Then they come back, they're back in the environment. They still have a discharge plan. And maybe that's their coming back to me for therapy. Maybe they're adding in a support group. Maybe they're going to, you know, some, um, uh, AA meetings, for example, and that can be with people in a PHP as well. But this is all part of the discharge plan. So anytime you have somebody who comes back from a program and doesn't have a discharge plan, I'd be very concerned about that because I think that that's so key and so important that there's a really nice plan in place for whenever the client leaves a PHP, an IOP, or residential treatment program. Okay, so that's for people who are under 18. Over 18, this is really for the parents. So how I work with those young adults is I do, I really do want the parents to be involved to the degree that my client is comfortable with. So I usually don't have a problem with, you know, my 19 year old telling me, yes, you can talk to my parents for planning purposes. You can let them know a little bit about what's going on. Usually that means I want them on the call. I before COVID, I want we're all in the room together. So, you know, my client is there sitting with me. I'm their advocate, and I'm helping them talk to their parents about how they need a higher level of care. And if they're not, you know, in, uh, in agreement with it, there's not a whole lot I can do. And that's where it really ties my hands behind my backs because sometimes I may think to myself as a therapist, this person needs to go to a PHP program. My client doesn't want it. They tell me, my parents want me to go to this program. I'm not going. Even if I say I, I kind of agree and they don't agree, there's not a whole lot we can do because they ultimately have the choice. Now, we could go, once again, we can go further. This is complicated. It's It can get complicated. It, it is layered. But I'm just sticking to really the generalities of how I work because – and I'm not talking about somebody with a psychotic disorder. That's a whole other level. I'm not talking about when I think there's a, schizof- a budding, like a schizophrenia that's coming out in a young adult or a schizoaffective type of more of a, really more of a psychotic disorder. I'm not talking about that. I actually don't treat that. That's beyond my level of care for me personally as a psychotherapist in private practice. I think those people do not belong in my office. I think there's a certain level of psychosis and a certain level of acuity of mental health that 
somebody needs to not be in an outpatient therapist's office, but they need to be in more of a hospital setting like a PHP and or a residential program. So I, I will say that. So so when they are at a crisis level and we're, they're just starting to come out, we're just starting to be concerned about could there possibly be a psychotic disorder here, they do need a higher level of care. I will say this, after those clients have been stabilized and they have a psychiatrist and they've been in maybe a PHP or maybe they've been in residential treatment, the word is stabilized. Once they're stabilized, they can come to me and I will see them, but they're not going to start with me. I think it's my duty, my responsibility to get them to the proper people. I don't specialize. And I, I it's not even really about specialization, I have to say. I don't think that an outpatient psychotherapist seeing somebody once, twice a week can really do the job of what they need. Now, there are always caveats to this. I know I don't want to get one of my colleagues, you know, texting me, telling me I'm wrong on this. There are caveats. There are people who can maybe have a a schizophrenic disorder, a psychotic disorder, and they see their therapist maybe three, four times a week in conjunction with a psychiatrist. That, That could work. That does work for some people. I do know of some therapists. I had one person many, many years ago that I saw every day, five days a week. And I worked very closely with a psychiatrist that actually worked out okay. But it's really, it's something that I don't do because I don't always have the time for it. And I really do believe that you can get done in these partial hospitalization programs in six weeks, what I will do with you in six months. There's something to being an intensive program all day long, putting your life aside for a little bit and working on you, learning therapies, learning skills. I would recommend it to anybody. And I recommend it to my friends, family members, go to the program. You're going to get done there. You're going to learn these therapies so much quicker than I could teach you in my office if you came in once, two, three times a week for 50 minutes or 45 minutes. Go to the program. And that's what I think most people are like, yeah, right, that does make sense. Let me just try to put my life aside. I'm going to take some time away from school. I'll try to take, you know, family medical leave, get some time off of work and let me just just really go kind of whole hog into me. I find that that really is the best way to get this work done. Okay, for so many of you, this is, we look at this on a case-by-case basis. That's why it's so important to find a therapist that you can consult with on what is best to do. So I just mentioned how there are people who they have more of a psychotic disorder or they have something that's just very extreme going on from a psychiatric perspective that person would best be treated possibly in a partial hospitalization program or possibly even going to residential. But there are, we could go in so many different directions. There are also year-long programs. There's those wilderness programs. Now, I have had several people over the years who've gone to wilderness. I've had many teenage clients over the year who go away to uh, emotional growth schools, like boarding schools that incorporate mental health into them. I have different opinions about them. They Some are okay. Some are good. Some are not so good. So you really have to do your homework. All, you know, that's, I think that's what 
All this to say, you've got to do your homework and find the proper consultation. When I was speaking just a minute ago about, you know, the person that I saw many years ago who was dealing with a schizoaffective disorder, I only agreed to see that person in close conjunction with their psychiatrist. I knew that psychiatrist well. I had a relationship with him and we worked very well together. I've done that a handful of times, but I really only do it when I know, trust, and like that psychiatrist. I had a woman who had small children many years ago who was in a very depressed state, not suicidal, just very depressed. And that's important because if she had was expressing suicidal ideation with a plan to take her own life, I would not have done this. So that's important to say. She was in a very depressed state, going through a terrible life crisis, and she had small children. She could not go to a partial hospitalization program because she's a stay-at-home mother. I saw her five days a week, Monday through Friday, and I we checked in. We I checked in with her over the weekend. That was someone who it made sense for her to come to me. Monday through Friday to my office for a session in conjunction with her psychiatrist. So it it's always a case by case basis. And I want to share that. So the takeaways from this session are seek consultation with a mental health professional, find somebody that you can consult with about what is going on in your life. You could, I would make an appointment. That's what I would do. I find a therapist, I'd find somebody who you like, Like I say, I've done it in an episode or I blogged about this years ago about how to find a therapist. Get some names, reach out to those people and ask them if you can come in for consultation. Pay them for the consultation and get their input, get their insight because the way we think, it's we know things that you all don't know and we want you to have that information. So go out, find somebody and get that information so that you are just really packed full of, of knowledge about how the system works. You know, and I will speak just very quickly about when we get clients or patients that come to the emergency room, there's also that avenue when somebody has had maybe, it's usually through a suicide attempt or somebody who's expressed wanting to take their own life and they come into the emergency room. These days, in most emergency rooms, you're going to see a crisis worker. You're not going to see a psychiatrist. Maybe some hospitals today, I think that that is really fewer and far between. They have crisis workers. They're licensed mental health professionals like myself who are trained in doing crisis work and doing crisis assessments. If the person is coming with a suicide attempt, then they will be admitted to an inpatient psychiatric unit. If and this is what I mostly would see is somebody who came in severely depressed, expressing suicidal ideation, but they did not have a plan, they would be discharged. And they were discharged and and usually, I'd hope, that they were given a name of therapists or places that they could call, community mental health centers, psychiatric clinics, names of therapists that they could call to make an appointment the next day, either themselves or their parent could call for them to make an appointment. That's another avenue of how you get into the mental health system. But there's so much talk about this today. It's such an issue. It's We're at a hockey stick uptick and mental health diagnoses in the last several years. And I I wanted, and I will continue to do episodes on this. If you want more, let me know. I could go in all different directions. And please remember, I'm speaking in generalities. Each case is different. Each person is different. Each family is different. So what I would say to one family 
I would not say to another. What I would say to one individual, I would not say to another individual. It is case by case. But I want you to have a sense as to how we're thinking. So in general, you start at the lowest level of care. That would be outpatient psychotherapy. You can go up to two or three times a week or more if the, if the therapist allows it. If you feel that that's a fit for you, you're always looking for the right fit. If the therapist is someone who says, I think you need more and you like them, you trust them, you feel safe with them, it behooves you to listen to that as an adult. If you're a teenager or you're a parent of a teenager, listen to what that therapist says. If they think that the person needs a higher level of care, they know what they're seeing and they know what they're talking about. And and the next level of care, so it's outpatient psychotherapy, it's PHP, then it's IOP, then it's a residential treatment program. Beyond that, you can do school, you can do boarding schools. Um, those are um, uh, children and adolescents. Those are boarding schools, emotional growth programs where you go away to a boarding school and it's mental health. Uh, you're getting your education, but at the same time, you're doing mental health therapies. I have mixed feelings about that for other reasons that I won't get into about that. Some are great. Some are not so great. You really got to do your homework on that. You really need to find the proper consultants to help you uh, find the right place for your daughter or your son to go to. Um, and then there are, you know, the residential programs. You can be there for 30 days. Some people are there for more than three months. It depends on your insurance. It depends on your diagnosis. It depends on, you know, how well you're doing, how well you're, or if you're, or how you're not doing. Uh, and sometimes people stay, you know, four or five months. Okay. So I hope that this is helpful. I know I spoke fast. This is, you know, I'm speaking in 25 minutes about something that I could speak for hours about, but I wanted to just start the conversation and get you thinking about how we look at therapy and treatment and the levels of treatment for clients. And one thing I would say in all of this is find somebody to talk to outside of your family. Find a licensed mental health professional in the field that you can go to, pay the consultation fee and go and do a Zoom call with them or go to their office and talk with them about the best form of care for your loved one or for yourself or for yourself. Okay. So I hope this is helpful. Mad love to all of you. And until next time. 